Monday morning, this past Monday morning, I had uh, I'd spent the night here, uh, Saturday night and Sunday night. Um, not so much, you know, I felt like our home was pretty secure, and so it really wasn't a situation where I was looking for, for safety. It really was more uh, wanting to be here to help uh, host those who, uh, who maybe their, their home situation uh, was a, a bit more precarious. And, uh, and so we, um, we got everything ready. About, about 8.30 Sunday night, the storm really started kicking up, and the, the lights flickered a few times here. And, and we went ahead and we, we prepared the generators and got everything ready. That way, uh, when the power went out, because we were convinced the power would go out, we were ready to go. And once we had that done, I, I felt good that, you know, the team was, had everything under control. And I said, guys, I'm, I'm going to go, um, and I'm going to go uh, lay down and, and attempt to go to sleep. If you need anything, just call me. And, uh, and I, I slept through the night. They told me all of all the exciting things that happened around the campus while I was sleeping. I guess the windows in room 3210, the room that's right over here, I guess those windows were just bowing in and out pretty significantly and was a, a sight to see. And there was stuff that, that flew by and, uh, at different times. Uh, we, had, we had a family that was brought to the church uh, by the fire department because uh, a tree had fallen on their house and fallen on their car. Um, but I... By the time I woke up, it was, it was pretty much over, right? And, uh, and like you, you know, once the storm was over, what I wanted to do is I wanted to just go and look and see, okay, so what's, what's awaiting me now? And, uh, and truthfully, when I, when I first stepped outside, I thought, you know what? The campus looks pretty good. I mean, there was a lot of, there was a lot of landscape debris. We had quite a few trees that were down, but all in all, the building looked fine until I walked out a little ways and then turned around, and I saw several tons of roofing material hanging off the side of our worship center, and I went, oh, that's new. What do we do about that, Right? What do we do about the trees that have the electrical wires running through them? So we got, got a group out there. We got chainsaws and started cutting up trees and uh, got on the phone talking to insurance company and, and, and roofers and, and got some folks arranged to at least get over here and get some tarps on the, on, on the roof to where uh, if it started to rain again, we could at least uh, cover all of this remodeling that we've done and pretty much got things together. Then I, I went from here to to my house. I, I really expected, uh, my neighborhood has a lot of trees, and so noticing how many trees were down here at Calvary, I, I thought my neighborhood was going to look like a war zone. And, and when, I, when I pulled into our tree-lined street, I was, I was pleasantly surprised. And, and when, I, when I pulled into uh, my driveway, I looked and I said, wow, my house, I've got, I've got one, one tree branch that's going to have to be cut down, and, and one one palm tree frond that's going to have to be cut off, but, but really it looks pretty good. So got in the house, um, no, no, no power. Uh, fortunately, our, our garage door has a battery backup, so it, 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 it went up. And, and, and walked into the house and, and, and looked, and it looked like it had snowed in my backyard. Because what had happened is on the, 
on the east side of my house, about eight feet of soffit was ripped off. And it had sucked a bunch of the insulation out of my house. And so there was, there was if you've ever seen wind-driven snow kind of driven up against a brick wall, that's what the back brick wall of my backyard looked like because I'm on the back end of our subdivision. And, uh, and then uh, I noticed that about half of the screens out of my pool cage were gone. And, uh, and then uh, a closer look, there's just a whole lot of shingles gone off the east side of my roof. And I remember standing there going, okay, where do I start? I mean, what do I, what do, I do? Do I, do I call somebody? Do I try to find the pieces of my soffit? What, what do I do? I don't know if you had that experience this, this week as you faced the aftermath of the storm, trying to figure out what do I do? It can, be, it can be challenging to, to deal with the reality of a hurricane in your life. It, it, can, be, it can even be overwhelming. I, I want you to take your Bible and I want you to turn to Acts 28. And in Acts 28, it, it, it tells us this. Starting in the first verse, it, it, it says this. It says, once safely on shore, we found out that the island was called Malta. Where, where are we and what is our new reality? Some of you uh, possibly haven't had the opportunity to see, um, maybe you didn't notice our roof, because everything looks great in here. Um, I, w- I want to show you, uh, Matt Yancey shot some drone footage of Calvary for us, and I want to show you that. If the tech team can go ahead and run that on the screens real quick. So, uh, this, is, uh, this is, of course, Calvary, and uh, that's, the, uh, that's the amount of roofing material that, that's about 20,000 square feet uh, that the hurricane just pushed back. And what's interesting is this roof material is held down by these pretty sizable rivets. And it was just, the folks that were sheltering here Sunday night, they kept hearing this bang, 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 bang. And what it was is it was the rivets popping off of the, uh, popping off of the roof as that massive piece of roofing material was just being pushed back uh, by the wind. So, this is our new reality. Where do we start? What do we do? Paul, along with 275 people, find themselves sitting on the seashore, cold, rain, huddled around a fire. This is their new reality. Among those with Paul, here on the island of Malta, is the captain of the ship. I find myself pondering what what had to be going through his mind in this moment. Wow, this is not at all how I thought this trip would end up. I, I, I just wanted to go home. 
I just wanted to go home. You see, two weeks earlier, they were in the middle of a journey. They had started in Caesarea on the western shore of Israel. And they were making their way along the coast. They were on their way to Adramidium, which is, which is just across from Greece. It was a ship that its home port was Adramidium. And so for the captain of the ship and the owner of the ship and for all of the crew and probably for a decent number of people on the boat, that was home for them. They were, they were going home. This, this was one of those great voyages, especially if, if, if you're somebody that, that you live your life out at sea, the opportunity to go home and, and to see family and to sleep in your own bed, a bed that's not rocking back and forth. This, this seemed to be at the start a good trip for them. And they made their way from Caesarea. And they eventually landed in this little port called Fair Havens. And as they're there in Fair Havens, I want you, I want you to go back to, to Acts 27. As, 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 they, as they go back, as, as they're in Fair Havens, if you look in verse 9, it tells us this. That much time had been lost and sailing had already become dangerous because now it was after the fast. It was, it was well into the autumn. And so Paul speaks and he, and he warns them. He says, men, I can see that our voyage is going to be disastrous and bring great loss to ship and cargo and to our own lives also. But the centurion, instead of listening to what Paul said, followed the advice of the pilot and the owner of the ship. Since the harbor was unsuitable to winter in, the majority decided that we should sail on, hoping to reach Phoenix and winter there. Notice verse 13, when a gentle south wind began to blow, they thought they had obtained what they wanted, so they weighed anchor and sailed along the shore of Crete. But before very long, a wind of hurricane force. A wind of hurricane force. We can relate to that, can't we? takes a wind of hurricane force to move that much roofing material. takes a wind of hurricane force to, to batter our community the way it did. And that wind of hurricane force has a way of changing things, altering viewpoint, adjusting perspective. For us, it was a journey of, we've been less than a week. For Paul and the 276 people upon this boat, it was two weeks. Two weeks. And here's what happens when you find yourself in the midst of the storm. When you find yourself in the midst of the storm, what you'll find is this. It's so easy for us to lose our forward motion, right? We know where we're going. We know what our plan is, and we're moving forward. But all of a sudden, the winds of adversity begin to blow. The winds of difficulty come. The gale of challenge enters into our day. And, and here's, here's what I find interesting. 
of these, of these folks that are gathered around that fire on the island of Malta, the captain of the ship, he can sit there and go, yeah, this, man, if I knew then what I know now, I would have made some very different decisions. I wonder if he dealt with guilt as he watched people grabbing hold of pieces of the ship that had been broken apart and trying to make their way towards shore. I wonder if he was filled with remorse as he sat there and he watched these folks shivering in the wet cold. If only I had listened to the advice of that guy. It's easy. It's easy when your decisions put you in those hurricane moments for guilt and condemnation to overtake you. Captain of the ship wasn't alone there. You see, they, they took a vote, right? And the majority of the people decided, I think we should go. Captain, I think we should go. Some of you, you're here today, and, and the storms that you're facing in life, the difficulty that you're facing today, it's because of decisions that you've made. Some of you are here, and you just, you got stuck because you embraced a bad idea. Yeah, I, I'm in. Hey, let's do it. Yeah, let's try that. Yeah, let's invest in that. Yeah, that party seems like a great time. And you got, you got stuck simply because you followed the crowd. You know, there are a decent number of people that were sitting around that fire. The author of Acts, Luke among them, they didn't make the decision to sail. They didn't vote to sail. In fact, they were supportive of Paul's statement, we should not go. Scripture tells us that the vote to sail wasn't unanimous. It was a majority vote, but it wasn't unanimous. And sometimes, not because of our decision, sometimes not because of even our influence, Sometimes, not because of our vote. Sometimes, in, ex in, in the exact opposite of what we want. Sometimes, in spite of our, of our vocal pushback, we'll find ourselves in the midst of the storm. We lose our way. That's what, that's what we find here in, 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 in Paul and, and his journey in the storm, right? They, 
They lose their way. They, they, lose, they lose control of, of the direction. Look at what it says here as we, go to, as we go to verse number 15. The ship was caught by the storm and could not head into the wind, so we gave way to it and were driven along. That's what happens when the storm comes along, whether it's because of our decision or in spite of our decision, the storms that we face, oftentimes, it will keep us from going where we want to go. Eventually, what happens is this. Not only are we not moving forward, we lose all sense of navigation, all sense of direction. It tells us this in, in, in verses 19 and 20. It, it tells us that on the third day, they threw the ship's tackle overboard with their own hands. They, they don't have the ability to now navigate the ship. And when neither sun nor stars appeared for many days, that's how they, that's how they even knew where they were. And so they found themselves going, we're not, we're not on the we're not on the path that we decided. We're not following the plan that we laid out. I don't even know where I am right now. I don't even know what to do. And, and in, that, in that time, in those moments, it seems like a natural outcome that eventually we lose hope. tells us here in, in, in Acts 27, it tells us that when neither sun nor stars appeared for many days and the storm continued raging, we finally gave up all hope of being saved. It's real easy for that to happen when you find yourself in the midst of the storm. When you find yourself in the midst of the storm, so I want, I want to take a few moments this morning, and I want to talk to you about what you do when you find yourself in the midst of the storm, and then what our response should be after the storm. When you find yourself in the midst of the storm, one of the first things you've got to do is this, is you've got to lighten your load. You've got to lighten your load, right? I'm, we, we focus on those things that we absolutely need. We focus on those things that absolutely matter. Many of you had the same experience that I did this week, right? You plug in your, you've got no power, so you plug in your generator and you start doing the math. Okay, I've got so many watts of power. Okay, I can run, I can run a fan or I can run the freezer. What if I just sit in the freezer? Huh. Right? And you start thinking about, okay, what are the things that I need? What are the things that are absolutely essential? And you know what you'll discover? Weeks like this week in Orlando, you discover there are a lot of things that you think you need that you really don't need. And there, there are all these things that they begin, they begin throwing overboard. I think about the, the captain of the ship. And in my, in my narrative of the story, this isn't scriptural, it's just kind of my, you know how when you watch a movie and it says based, 
on a true story? Okay, so this is my story of the ship captain based on a true story, okay? In my narrative of the story, the ship captain, he's excited about going home. You know why? Because he's, he's, he's heard news that his grandson has said his first words. Along the way, he's picked up some gifts for the grandson. And he's got those stored away in the hold of the ship. But as the storm begins to blow, he recognizes we have to lighten the load. And so they begin to, they begin to, to throw off cargo. No, yeah, no, no, don't, don't throw, no, no. Yeah, you know what? It's got to go. It's got to go. It's got to go. Throw it off. Throw it off. Throw off people's luggage. Throw it off. That furniture that somebody bought that they're wanting to take home to add adramidium, it's got to go. All these things, all the extras, all the, all the, all the, all the frills, they, they've got to go. They've got to go. They've got to go. Eventually, they start throwing off navigation equipment. It's got to go. Everything that they, they thought they needed was jettisoned to where they could hold on to that which they really needed. And it's, it's all too easy, friend, it's all too easy to allow our lives to become incredibly cluttered. If you've been around here at all, you've heard me say this, that if the devil can't make you bad, he'll make you busy. The Bible talks in many different places about this issue of being burdened down, right? We get burdened down by the pleasures and the pains of life. The pleasures and the pains of life. And all these, all these things that we, that we think are important. It was, it was interesting to me watching the people as they were evacuating the, the Florida Keys, watching the things that they were towing behind them, Right? The dude pulling the jet skis behind him. Can you imagine the conversation that he had with his wife? I'm not leaving those jet skis. I will leave you before I leave those jet skis. Right? So he, he drives all the way north, right? He gets up north, and he's going, why in the world did I bring these stinking jet skis? What am I going to do with these things? Stuff that seems important at the time. It's amazing how it's amazing how storms will shift our perspective. We've got to lighten our load. The second thing that we have to do is this is we, we have to trust in God's promises. We have to trust in God's promises. Look at verse number 21 of Acts 27. It says this, that after the men had gone a long time without food, Paul stood up before them and said, men, you should have taken my advice not to sell from Crete. Then you would have, then you would have spared yourselves this damage and loss. There are a lot of things that I like about Paul. Can I tell you, I love this moment. Right? I mean, I can relate to that. I love Paul going, what did I tell you? Didn't I tell you? Okay, you should have listened to me. But, you didn't? All right, so we're going to move on. We're going to move past that. Right? And he says this. He says, but now I urge you 
to keep up your courage because not one of you will be lost, only the ship will be destroyed. Last night, an angel of the God whose I am and whom I serve stood beside me and said, do not be afraid, Paul. You must stand trial before Caesar, and God has graciously given you the lives of all who sail with you. So keep up your courage, men, for I have faith in God that it will happen just as he told me. Trust in God's promises. Trust in God's promises. And then and when you're trusting in God's promises, you need to find solid ground. The very next thing that Paul says, he says, says this, nevertheless, we must find solid ground. When, when, when everything around me is swirling, when everything around me is changing, one of the things that I want to do is I want to grab hold of that which does not change. I love what the writer of Hebrews says when he says this, we have this hope as an anchor for our soul, firm and secure. And what is that anchor? That anchor is the cross. You see, God never changes it. It doesn't matter what the environment throws at us. It doesn't matter what occupation throws at us. It doesn't matter what situation throws at us. It doesn't matter what community throws at us. God never changes. On Christ the solid rock I stand, all other ground is sinking sand, right? That's what Jesus said. He said, whoever hears these sayings of mine and does them is like the wise man who builds his house upon the rock. The rains descended, the floods came, the winds blew, and beat against that house, but it did not fall. See, when I, when I find myself in the midst of the storm, I've got to lighten my load. Then I've got, to, I've got to trust in God's promises. I've got to grab hold of that as solid ground and hold on. Then here's a biggie. I've got to keep myself nourished. No, notice, notice what he says down in, the, down in the, the, the 33rd verse. It says, just before dawn, Paul urged them all to eat. For the last 14 days, he said, you've been in constant suspense and have gone without food and you haven't eaten anything. Now I urge you, take some food. You need it to survive. It's interesting to me that, that, that one of the things that happens when we find ourselves in a difficult situation, one of the first things that we do is we stop eating. And that's not just true in the physical sense, it's also true in the spiritual sense as well. Right? We face difficulty, one of the first things that goes is our time with the Lord. We're, we're facing challenge, one of the first things that goes is our community time together in worship. And you have to keep yourself nourished. You need it to survive. And here's what you can be confident of. That the storms are going to come because the rain falls on the just and the unjust. But what do you do after the storm? Acts 28. Once safely on shore, we found out that the island was called Malta. The islanders showed us unusual kindness. They built a fire and welcomed us all because it was raining and cold. Paul gathered a pile of brushwood, and as he put it on the fire, a viper driven out by the heat fastened itself on his hand. When the islanders saw the snake hanging on from his hand, they said to each other, this man must be a murderer, for though he escaped from the sea, justice has not allowed him to live. But Paul shook the snake off into the fire and suffered no ill effects. The people expected him to swell up or suddenly fall dead, but after waiting a long time, 
and seeing nothing unusual happen to him, they changed their minds and said he was a god. I'm convinced that as the captain of the ship sat there dealing with his own guilt and dealing with his own doubt, knowing that he, has, that he had faced that hurricane because of his decision, knowing that he had put the lives of 276 souls at risk because of his decision. It was a crisis moment. As members of the crew, as they sat there around that fire, They attempt to rationalize. Wasn't my decision. I didn't make the decision to sail. Captain made the decision. Boat owner made the decision. That centurion Julius, who was basically in command of the ship because he had taken it over, he could have said no. But I did vote. For that crew member, it's, it's not an issue of guilt as much as it is an issue of confusion and, and question. For those passengers on the ship, Luke included, it came all too easy to sit there, huddle around that fire and go, why, why me? Why me? Become angry and embittered at the captain. Angry and embittered at the owner. Angry and embittered at Julius. Angry and embittered at God. God, I've done everything right. God, I've tried to serve you. God, I've tried to please you. God, I said no. I, 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 tried, to, I tried to speak up. I, I reinforced what Paul said. And yet, everything I did tried to keep me out of the storm. And still, the winds and the waves crashed in over me. I, I had to grab hold of a plank to survive, and now I'm at some land I don't even know what it is. Malta? Why, Captain? Why, Centurion? Why, God? And in, the, in that moment, whether, whether you can relate best To the captain and his guilt, or 
the crew member and the confusion. Or the passenger and all these conflicting emotions. I want you to know there's an answer for you. And in my narrative, the captain can't help but think about what Paul said at Fairhaven's, don't sail. When he sat on the boat, take courage. No one's going to lose their life. You see, at Fairhaven's, the captain didn't believe him. On the boat, when he said no one's going to lose their life, he, he wanted to believe, but it didn't make sense. And it surely didn't seem plausible when the boat ran aground, still out in the middle of the water, and the storm battered it and broke it apart. And they have to give the command, all you who can swim, swim. Those who can't swim, grab hold of something. Here we are. The guy was right about the storm. He was right that no one would be lost. And now I see him take a poisonous snake and flip it off of his hand like nothing happened. I don't know a lot, but I know that I've got to figure this one out. And here's what we see in Acts 28.1. Number one is this. When you come through a storm, things are going to look different than what you expected. They're going to look different. Okay? Oftentimes, it's not going back to the way things were, the way they were before. Right? Paul and the pilot the centurion and the captain, they find themselves in a strange new land, the island of Malta. It's not where they expected to be. And at this point, they're not sure how they're going to get from Malta to Rome or Malta to, to, to Adriamidium. It's, it's, a, it's a new paradigm now. It's a, it's a new game plan now. It's a, it's a new viewpoint now. It's a, it's a new understanding now. Things are, are going to be different. There, there's also, there's, there's going to be some challenges. Once, we, once they were on shore, they, they still had to deal with the rain. They still had to deal with the cold. The most important thing that they could do was to kindle the fire. Let me say that again. The most important thing they could do is kindle the fire. The most important thing they could do is kindle the fire. And I'm convinced that not only is that true in the natural, I'm convinced that it's true in the supernatural. 
You see, when I find myself in the midst of the storm, I've got to lighten the load. I've got, I've got, to, I've got to trust in God's promises. I know, I know that he's got me. I have to find solid ground. I've got to keep myself nourished. And then, then as, the, as the winds die down and the, and the waves begin to still, I have to embrace this new reality. And understand that even, things, even though things are different, that God is still with me. I have to confront the challenges that are in front of me. Maybe for you, that, that challenge is a financial mountain. Maybe for you, that, that, that challenge is radiation treatments. Maybe for you, that, that challenge is trying to, to help a, a wayward child reconnect. I tell you the most important thing is you've got to you've got to kindle the fire in your life. And, and just, just as they sat there at, at, on the shore of the island of Malta and they, they built this fire and, and, and Paul put fuel on the fire, I, I want to challenge you today. You've got to put fuel on your fire. You gotta put fuel on your fire. You you gotta put fuel on your fire. And in the natural, it's real easy to figure out what the fuel is. In the supernatural, well, truthfully, that's pretty easy as well, isn't it? It's why we're here today to add fuel onto that spiritual fire. God, let, let the fire of your spirit fall on me. Let the fire of your spirit fall on my family. Let the fire of your spirit fall on my home. Let the fire of your spirit fall on my city. Let the fire of your spirit fall on my nation. The rains will come. The waters will rise. The winds will blow. But God will carry you through it. As you lighten your load, trust in his promises. Find solid ground and keep yourself nourished. And as you come out of the storm... It's important that you embrace that new reality and, and, and know that God still has you. He's going to give you the strength that you need for the challenge that is in front of you. Face it with courage and with strength. And you're able to do that. You're able to face it with courage and with strength. The answer to the cold the answer to the immediate challenge in front of them was to build a fire. 
And some of, some of us were here this morning, and that fire of God in our life, it's gone. It's time to light a new fire. Some of you, some of us, there's remnants of the fire, but it's just kind of smoldering a little bit. time. God, breathe on the fire in our life. Breath of God, blow on the fire in our life. Wind of the Spirit, blow on the fire in our life. We want to stoke this fire in our life. Some of you, you've you've got that fire going. Very important that you understand this. We talked about this in great detail a few weeks ago when we talked about the issue of the Holy Spirit. That fire in your life isn't for you to sit around by yourself. Because one of the things that you're going to find when you walk out the doors of this church today, here's what you're going to find. You're going to find people that are cold and in the dark. Let me invite you beside the fire. Let me bring you to the fire. Let me take you where you'll find warmth, where you'll find vision, where you'll find safety. And just as God was there for the captain. That shipwreck was his fault. God's here for you in every decision that puts you in the storm. Just as God was there for everyone of those crew members who voted, let's go home. And the circumstances brought confusion. God is here today and he'll bring you clarity and peace to that confusing situation in your life. And just as God was there for those who went through the storm not because of their decisions, in fact, in spite of their best efforts. There was a fire there for them as well. And God's fire is available for you. He will see you through the storm and he will guide you past the storm because that's what our God does. Thank you for listening. We hope you've been blessed by the ministry of Calvary Orlando. We invite you to join us in person at Calvary Orlando for one of our Sunday morning worship experiences each Sunday at 1030 a.m. To find out more about Calvary, please visit our website at calvaryorlando.org. Here you can find our latest events and ministry opportunities. Thanks for listening and God bless.